All right, is it too early to judge this Pelicans team offensively? Can Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram coexist? And what can be done about the rebounding issues, plus a little bit of Jordan Hawkins talk? Will Guillory of The Athletic joins me to answer the biggest questions around the Pels. It's Friday's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential Member of the Media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. Today, we got Will Guillory just landed from the airport in Houston here on location. What's going on, man? I'm good, man. It's dark and gloomy outside, so it's only fitting that we're talking Pels with this type of weather <laughs> outside of Houston, right? Yeah, like if we're just looking to kind of sum up everything, you know, that game against Minnesota <laughs> certainly certainly seemed to do it. By the way, this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Okay, so you're not feeling good about the team, I take it. That <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just coming right out with it, right? 26 in offense. This isn't what we were expecting and how we thought this was going to go. There's some injuries, certainly. But, like, 4-4 four and four isn't horrible. But this doesn't feel good, does it? No, nah, no, not at all. I mean, especially coming off of that loss in Minnesota where you got kind of beat up on from the very beginning. And that's, you know, coming after you, you lose by 30 in the second half to the Denver Nuggets. So, yeah, things are really bad right now. Uh, but I think, again, it, it's hard to judge this team because they just haven't played together. It's crazy that we have this conversation year in Every and year, year out. But it's like, I, 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 like, you know, everybody wants us to come on these podcasts and kill the Pels, and there certainly have things that they should be killed for, and we're going to kill them for it. Uh, but, like, when you don't play any games with your main guys, you haven't played any games with Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, or Najee Marshall, what is there to really judge? I mean, I tweeted it out in a Minnesota game. They played all three of their two-way guys in the first quarter. They started one of the two-way guys when he never suited up for the Pelicans before. He'd ju he just been signed like a day or two before, which is a Pelicans <laughs> tradition like no other. Listen, listen, shout out to uh, my guy Mbamute. Wasn't he one of them back in the day who signed he off the street and started? I think he was. I remember Nate Robinson clearly like they. He literally literally signed his contract in the morning, and then in the evening was the starting point guard for the team. Like, <laughs> and he only had to play Steph Curry, happened? so no worries, yeah. right? So yeah. <laughs> but no, nah, I mean it, it's crazy when you're you're playing like Matt Ryan and you know poor Jordan Hawkins, the the rookie who's playing well, but you're you're stretching these guys out so much. And you're asking Brandon Ingram to basically score 50 to give you a chance against Minnesota last night. It's just a really tough position for this team to be in. They're not executing certain things. Uh, but I think it's understandable for, for like, at this point in the season to be like, you can't really be that mad at 4-4 four and four considering what they've had to deal with to this point. No, I mean, look, that's, I think th there's multiple ways to view it, right? You know, I think four and four, if you're looking at the glass half full approach, they haven't had CJ, Brandon Ingram's been out of the lineup. Zion just missed that game for personal reasons, all of that. Like, let me ask you this then, you know, how do you judge a team like this then? Is it still just wait and see if you're the front office when you're kind of evaluating through almost a 10th of the season at this point? Like, what do you, what are you supposed to do? 
you know, in the short term yeah, and long term with it? I think the it's slightly different from where we were last year looking at this team because we knew Zion was going to be out for a long period when he hurt the hamstring. Uh, the BI thing was a little bit more cloudy, but if you look back and say if he's going to miss two months, then you kind of see what's going on. With this team, you, you expect Zion to be back soon. You expect CJ to be back relatively soon. We see Trey Murphy, Jose, Najee, those guys starting to ramp up. Uh, they, they upgraded Najee to doubtful going into the Houston game. So I would guess he'll be the first a bench trio to be back in the lineup. So I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel where you, you hope to get some of these guys back. I could see if it was like CJ is definitely going to be out for two months or Zion's definitely going to be out for two months. Then you can kind of judge them for where they are now because that's where they're going to be for the foreseeable future. Uh, but I think you're going to start getting some of these guys back in the lineup and if they can't solve some of their issues, I think that's when you can really start laying the hammer on this team. But, you know, and again, in a situation like last night where you're playing three two-way guys in the first quarter, I don't know what you can really gather from that game. I mean, they're not they're, they're not playing real lineups uh, against, you know, Minnesota in that game. So, yeah, I think they certainly got a lot to, to, to fix, I, I think. Regardless of what you have going on, you shouldn't be down by 30 at halftime. So I think that's something that they should definitely get criticized for. Uh, but, man, I, I, just, I just find it hard to really judge this team knowing that you're going to have your actual real rotation players back in the lineup sooner rather than later. Do you, do you feel like there's any sense of urgency or panic around the team right now, kind of given the start and the way things looked, or are they kind of taking that long-term approach with it? Uh, I think panic, no, it's still early. I think sense of urgency, no doubt. I mean, when you lose the way they lost these last two games, there's certainly a level of tension there. There's certainly a, a feeling of not this again. Uh, I mean, you always feel that when you're around the Pelicans, the, oh, God, <laughs> here comes the injury report one more time. Herb is laying on the floor grabbing his ankle. Oh, Lord, here we go again. I, I think that's always the feeling whenever you're around the Pelicans. But I do think – uh, the, again, they understand a lot of these guys are coming back. You see Trey Murphy and Jose working out before games, so they have that level of optimism that, okay, we're going to start having some of our guys back. You kind of see what it's going to look like. You hear people talking about, man, what's it going to look like when Jordan Harkins and, and Trey Murphy get to play basketball together? How is that going to stretch the Florida for this team? If you can finally get a stretch of games with Zion and Brandon Ingram together. What is that going to look like? I think when you hear Willie Green come in a press conference and say, hey, the, the C.J. McCollum entry is not that bad. Uh, I didn't expect him, for him him to come out and say that. So that, that makes you feel like he's not going to be out for the six weeks that he sat out with this injury the last time. Uh, so I think they kind of feel that, hey, we're going to be whole eventually. Uh, but, again, when you get kind of beat up on by two – Western Conference legit playoff teams the way they did the last two games. There's certainly a feeling of, man, we got to go back to the drawing board and fix some things. Uh, but I don't think there's as much doom and gloom as there was last year where it was like, yeah, Zion and B.I. are gone and we don't know when they're coming back. And I think that's kind of the worst place you want to be as a team. But now they kind of see, hey, our pieces are coming together, but they're just not there quite yet. No, I mean, it's good to kind of have that perspective and kind of see what the team is feeling, too, so that people don't necessarily overreact to all of that. So you, you had mentioned, you know, there's some things they need to be killed for. What's kind of your early read on what's worked and what hasn't so far for them? Uh, for one, I mean, the third quarters. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> talking about that. They're just getting killed coming out of halftime. But I don't think it's a... Willie Green isn't making the right adjustments at halftime. I think the most overrated thing is sports and halftime adjustments. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I think it's a, just a, a sense of urgency. And I think Willie Green has said it. It's 
we we've seen this team can kind of embrace the way they want to play, the way they need to play to win. They just haven't been able to sustain it for 48 minutes. And, you know, we can kind of point to a million different reasons why, but I think that's what it comes down to is that they've got to find some level of consistency with what they're doing. And it's not just from quarter to quarter. I think it's from lineup to lineup. You see <laughs> how these second units come in and they're playing fast. They're moving off the ball. They're swinging it around the perimeter. And you see the starters come in and it's ISO Brandon Ingram, ISO Zion Williamson. We're trying to get a post up for JV. It's not working. I think uh, specifically that starting unit, and, and again, part of this goes to they haven't played enough together. They haven't built up the chemistry to figure out how they need to fix some of these issues. But I, I think you see with the starting lineup, there's kind of that hesitancy to kind of go all in on what some of the things the second unit has done to succeed and some of the things that Willie Green wants to do with this new offense. And I think you've seen in the stretches, like, I mean, they scored 71 points against the Denver Nuggets in the first half. They looked incredible in effort. They, they couldn't miss a shot in the second quarter. It was wild to watch them play that way against the defending champs. Uh, but I think, uh, again, just to be able to sustain that, I think is important for this team. And also, the, I think the other disappointing thing, I, you really can't point to injuries for this, is that they're a terrible rebounding team, Horrible. which is shocking because they've been one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA for the past couple of seasons since Jonas Valanciunas came to town. And it's just completely fallen off a cliff. I mean, some of it you could say Zion not being there last night or maybe Brandon Ingram missing a couple games contributes to Trey Murphy, Najee Marshall not being there. But they're not like guys who are getting you 10 rebounds a game. I think a lot of this is just that they didn't. They don't. They're not playing with the same mentality, the physicality uh, that we saw from them last year. And I think uh, some of that we can point to. Uh, I think uh, Jonas Valanciunas and Larry Nance just haven't been as good as they were expected to be coming into this season. I think that plays a part in it. Uh, but a part of it is that everybody's got to chip in. Everybody's got to play with that level of physicality going to hit the boards. And I think uh, that's what's been disappointing is that this team at its very core should be physical. They should dominate the paint. That's what they're built to do, and they haven't done that uh, to this point, uh, which is, you know, mind-boggling. Yeah, well, I, I want to get into the paint stuff in the next segment here, and then I want to get back to the rebounding in the third one, too. So we'll that's all coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Though. Right now, I'm excited to tell y'all... Oh, there we go. Sorry, Will. I'm going to take you off there. There we go. <laughs> Got it. All right. Right now, I'm going to tell you about our friends from Jace Medical. You know, we spent a lot of time talking here, getting excited about wins, losses, who starts, who sits, and I'm thankful for the connection we have here. But today, I want our chat to be a little bit more personal. So whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event like hurricanes in South Louisiana, or limited by yet another supply shortage, you're covered from our friends over at Jace Medical. They can give you, get you life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications that can be ordered in a one-year supply. They even have ED generics for Cialis and Viagra, as well as other prescriptions out there. You've got to have your meds if you're evacuating. You've got to have that in your hurricane kit. Jace Medical can get all of those for you cheaper. So go online right now to jacemedical.com and receive a 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember, use promo code Locked On at checkout for a discount as well. They have the Jace case, which you can use just to throw in your hurricane kit. So get the peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily med. Go to jacemedical.com, see if it's offered for you, and remember, to use promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. 
And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. You want to support the channel, become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday. And if you are an everyday, let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. So we're talking to Will Guillory of The Athletic here. Let's, let's get back into the offense because I talked about this on my show the other day, looking at some of this and, you know, looking at the numbers on cleaning the glass. This team doesn't get into the paint in the way that they should. It's, it's shocking for a team with Jonas Valanciunas, with Zion Williamson, and even Brandon Ingram too. And as I started to kind of dive into the numbers, you start to see some trends. They don't draw free throws either. They don't get to the line nearly as much as they should. I have a theory on this. I talked about it on my show. I'm curious what your thoughts are, though, of why aren't they able to get in the paint and kind of do what they've done in years past? Yeah, I think for one, uh, like we said, like we said a million times, they're trying to change the way they play offense. They want to take more threes. We're seeing Matt Ryan, Jordan Hawkins, these guys blowing up because that's the style that they want to play. They don't want to be the team that's 29th or 30 in three-point attempts the way they were last year. Uh, so they're kind of changing the way they're playing, but also – I think mean, you could say that Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson haven't been as good as we've seen them in the past so far this year. Those guys just haven't played as well. It's not even about chemistry or lineups or system. It's just those guys need to be better than they've been to this point. And I think Zion in particular hasn't been the Zion we're used to seeing. I think we kind of saw this with him last year where it took him about eight, ten games before he started kicking up in December where he just went crazy and was the best version of Zion we ever saw. So I, I kind of expected that coming into the season, that it would take him a little bit of time to get his rhythm. And unfortunately, it's been broken up with him being out now with personal reasons. But I think we'll see him get better as he gets, you know, more game experience under his belt, gets in a little bit of better shape. Uh, but also, again, when you're missing two of your penetrators and Jose Alvarado and Najee Marshall, they just aren't getting into the paint as much as they have in the past with penetration. And they're not, they don't want to be a post-up team anymore. So they're not getting into the paint with post-ups where they did in the past with Zion and Brandon, I mean, was Zion, Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, so I think now they're trying to do more dribble penetration, uh, more transition. It just hasn't worked the way they wanted it to. Uh, but again, I, I want to bring his name up again, Jay, because, Man, it just feels like when I watch this team, I'm just not sure where Jonas Valanciunas fits with what they want to do. Because the way he plays, I see him taking a whole lot of three-pointers now. I see him, you know, roaming around the perimeter. And I understand why you want to do that. You want to create spacing for Zion Williamson. You want to just be more of a perimeter-oriented team. I get that. Uh, but it feels like he's kind of swimming uh, without knowing where he's going right now. And he seems lost a lot of times, and I think – it's it's very difficult because we know he's a talented offensive player. We know on certain nights he can give you a round of 30 and 15. But is he going to be that guy when you're playing this style of basketball? I think it's a real question this team needs to ask itself. Yeah, so you you mentioned that and that ties into some of my theory on this, right? Like how, you know, they're taking four more three-point attempts per game than they did last year, which has bumped them up to 19th from second to last. It's not a significant number, but it's more and that's a good start. Do you think some of the, the lack of three-point shooting at times is hurting them? You know, you, you made the great point of they're not posting up Zion as much as they did last year, which leads to a lot of his shot attempts at the rim, but that his numbers are down about 10, 15% in terms of frequency of shot attempts at the rim. Is that a spacing issue? Is that the way the offense is kind of designed right now? Because that seems almost like a suboptimal way to use them. Or is that, as you said, also, it's going to take him a little while to get back into kind of game shape of things after, you know, almost not having played basketball for like 10 months, essentially. 
Yeah, I mean, frankly, he just hasn't played as well. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the key for him is that he's just not getting to the rim. He's not exploding off of the, the, these isos at the top of the key. We're used to seeing him being – I think they've tried to do that more often. I think watching the Denver game, I kind of wish they would do more Zion, JV, pick and roll to attack uh, – Nikola Jokic, because that worked for them last year when they beat Denver in New Orleans. That was like their main offensive play was Zion attacking Jokic. And I think part of that is him just figuring this thing out, how to work within this offense, how to kind of kind of do what you need to do to kind of cater to your best players. And I think, again, that takes time, which this team hasn't had because they haven't played <laughs> together. So it's really difficult. Uh, but, yeah, I think I'm going to say it again. Zion needs to be better than he's been. Brandon Ingram needs to be better than he's been. Uh, I think they're going to be better. We've seen those guys play at a higher level than they are, than they have so far this season. Uh, but, yeah, if Zion's not creating 20 points in the paint the way he has in the past, this team isn't going to score in the paint the way they have in the past. That's just what it is, especially when you're not posting up JV, uh, you're not posting up Brandon Ingram. So I think you're going to need your penetrators to get to the and that's how you create some of those swing, swing offensive possessions that they want to get those open shots for Jordan Hawkins and all these other guys. Uh, but again, uh, and losing CJ McCollum is another one that we haven't talked about as much. He's a guy that can create off the dribble. And he and I think fans have complained, complained in the past that he's not necessarily a guy who's going to get all the way to the rim with his dribble penetration. But when he does create off the dribble, he brings that second guy a lot of times where that's not happening anymore since he's gone. So, yeah, I think uh, – and I think to a smaller level, we can also talk about Dyson Daniels and Kyra Lewis not developing the way the team has kind of wanted them to offensively. I think Dyson has been a little bit better. Uh, Kyra has been mostly a disappointment on offense. Uh, but, yeah, I think all of this kind of adds to this equation that the offense just hasn't been good because none of these guys are really performing at the level that they expected coming into the season. And some of it is figuring the offense out. Some of it is lack of chemistry. But at the end of the day, it's got it just comes down to they have to be better. And that's when the team is going to look better. Yeah, you know, and I wonder when you get, add, like, Trey Murphy back in, you know, and I think there's – looking at this starting unit I think eventually it won't be right when he comes back from injury there's maybe an argument to be made for starting him over Herb Jones just to add more shooting in and see if that gives Zion Williamson a little bit more space even Brandon Ingram too getting a little bit more space for him he hasn't quite you know so let me ask you this with BI you know he hasn't changed his shot profile probably in the way that they would hope right Willie Green was talking about they want him taking six to eight to nine three-pointers per game he's averaging a little over three took six against Minnesota which was good are you at all I think I know your answer to this but are you at all concerned about the pairing of Zion and Brandon Ingram and them being able to kind of coexist in this new offense that they want to run now, I've always been optimistic about the pairing with, with Z and B.I. I think those guys are so talented that they're, they're going to be able to figure it out. I think we've seen them succeed together for me the bigger question about those two guys is can they succeed on a defensive end uh, and I think that's, that's been fair. a problem at times. Uh, I think last night I thought B.I. was pretty bad defensively. And some of that was just him feeling like he had to do everything on offense. I get it on certain nights. you just not locked in on defense because you want to do so much on offense. I get that. Uh, but I think they they both need to be better defensively than they, they've been up to this point this season. But I think offensively those guys are really good. I do think that they need to do a better job buying into the style of play that uh, that that Borrego wants to do with this offense that Willie Green is trying to preach. And I think, again, you see it when the second unit comes in. When these Matt Ryan, Jordan Hawkins units come in, they're moving. They're playing fast. They're 
swinging the ball. And I think it, it's a different style of play once the starters are out there. And I think those guys just need to do a better job buying in uh, and not just, you know, falling back on what they've done in the past and what's worked for them in the past. And, and again, that just comes with time on task, figuring it out, playing together. Uh, but yeah, I think, again, those guys need to be better than what they've been to this point. But I do think those guys are so talented that they can figure it out. I'm, I'm not out on Zion and B.I. as a pairing. I'm not quite where Willie Green's at, calling the best duo in the league. I'm not, I'm not going all the <laughs> he, way over there man, He did them no favors of saying that, and then the <laughs> yeah, next like couple of games, you're like, oh, man, I mean, like, like that was not the case. Get, like one playoff win before <laughs> yeah. we start calling him the best duo in the league? Like, let me get one playoff win out of you before we start calling you the best duo in the league. But I can understand where Willie's coming from because those guys – have that level of talent and that level of potential where they can be in that conversation at them at some point. Uh, but to your point that I think you're trying to make, they need to do a better job of figuring it out how to do it together. And I think so yeah. often Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson have the tendency to say, all right, I need to be go great. I need to be, need to go make a play. And I think they need to do a better job of figuring out how we can make the collective group better. Uh, no, I like that. That's great, right? You know, it's a, there's no I in team if you want to like boil it down to like the most simplistic kind of thing, I think. You know, and I, I wonder if that's why you've seen some of those those bench lineups, right? You mentioned Matt Ryan, Jordan Hawkins. We'll get into them a little bit more in a second, though. I don't know, man. Those lineups have so much more shooting than the starters do, right? Where mm -hmm. JV's not really a shooter. Herb's not a shooter. Is Brandon Ingram a three-point shooter? I don't really know. And so I wonder how much that's mucking up the spacing on things. And so when you when you talk about those second units, they're zipping the ball around, right? You have that shooters lineup that was anchored by CJ, and we can go back to that Oklahoma City Thunder game, right? Where it's him, two shooters, a defender in Herb or Dyson in JV. And, you know, he was he had all of the room to drive to the hoop and either score at the rim or kick it out to shooters. You know, do you, do they need to see more lineups like that to try and kind of get them into the rhythm? Or do you or is it just as simple as the starters play better and they're gonna be okay? Yeah, the unfortunate thing of the OKC game is they couldn't make a shot in the first half. No. <laughs> they had the sprint. The court was sprint, but they were bricking every single three they put up. So I think that's <laughs> not a formula for winning either. But no, I do think they need to, to kind of figure out how to, to separate JV and Zion a little bit more. Uh, I do think that that'll help with the spacing. I think just getting a little bit more out of Larry Nance will help. I think he's taking a little bit longer to get right physically than they expected coming off of that ankle injury he had well they didn't have it it was kind of flared up on during the preseason uh but yeah i, I again I, I i just find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to play this style while also giving jv the the level of minutes and usage that we've seen from him in the past it's just a tough fit for him and i and i, and I, and I do think it's 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 really tough for jv because i do think he's still a good basketball player i think he can contribute in the right situation. I'm just not sure if this is the right situation for him. Uh, but I do think that there are ways that he can be effective. I'm just not sure with him and Zion on the court together, it's going to be as effective with the style they're trying to play. And I think it's, it's, it's unfair to him if you're asking JV to take three to four or five three-point attempts a game. That's just not him. I mean, he can no, knock totally. some of those shots down. When he's playing the Clippers, he turns into like uh, Steph Curry. But I mean, he, he doesn't play the Clippers. <laughs> he doesn't play the Clippers every night. So that's the problem. Uh, but no, I, I do think that they got to figure out some of these lineups and figure out ways to kind of utilize Zion in the best way so he can have the floor space. And I think you're fortunate now where last year and the year before you looked around and said, man, we don't even have shooters to put around these dudes. Now you have a Matt Ryan, you have Jordan Hawkins, Trey Murphy is coming back, Jose Alvarado is coming back. So when you 
to have all of those guys together, I think you can see the spacing that you want to see. You can have the shooters on the floor to give Zion the rooms he, he, he needs, but you also need to do a better job of putting lineups out there that gets the best out of everybody. And I do think going back to the point we made earlier, I, I think Willie has tried to, to push the idea of keeping B.I. and Zion together. I, I think yeah. when they first came together, the whole thing was, well, we're going to have one of them on the court the whole you time. You wrote about that in the offseason, too. Yes, that was something that they were very mindful of, that we want them to succeed together. So we're going to have some stretches where they're both off the court. And I think you saw it a couple times early in the season where they were off the court together for four or five minute stretches because they want to keep them together so they can figure that thing out. Uh, but I think maybe you have to go away from that a little bit just to maximize both of those guys. Perhaps the best way to do it is to kind of let them run their show a little bit you know, in the, during the second and third quarters and then bring it back together in the fourth. Uh, but part of that also is just that not having CJ makes it tough just because CJ is kind of the That's about to say that that kind of fills in a lot of the holes that those guys don't have as three-point shooters, as, you know, a guy who can go get a shot in the last five seconds of the shot clock, as a guy who can kind of be a chameleon within the offense. I think it's really tough not having him, especially if you're replacing him with, a rookie, a second-year guard in Dyson Daniels, and Kyra Lewis, who has probably less experience than Dyson Daniels. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, it's just tough. No, absolutely. All right, let's get into those. I want to talk Jordan Hawkins. I want to talk a couple other things rebounding coming up here in the next segment here with Will Guillory of the Athletic. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. It's super simple. You pick a couple of players. And you pick more or less than their prize picks projection. If you're looking on Thursday night, Deontay Murray, 20 or more points. If you want to go with Franz Wagner of the Orlando Magic, more or less than 20 and a half points. That's what you're doing. It's super easy to use. I should also probably put up the graphic here. There we go. So it's an easy way to do it. With basketball season in full swing, with the NFL going on, you can make combo projections across football and basketball in a specials league. For example, you can get LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half combo of three-pointers made and receptions. And Price Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return for the second, that player is rebooted. PressPix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So if you want to play, go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that is a first-time deposit match up to $100. It's free money right there when you go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code LockedOnNBA. Locked on NBA prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. Getting great guests. Will Guillory's coming on every other week. I somehow convinced him to do that, but the insight is great. So, Will, <laughs> I, I appreciate you being here with me, spending some time while you're on the road, going from the airport to the hotel, hopping on to record here. So, right, I want to hit you with a couple of quick things. What do you think of the City Edition jerseys? Ah, uh, well, those are the ones, the black with the highlighter, right? Yeah. Is that the City? Because I, <laughs> I forget the names of the, all the yeah, I, know. I like a them. Lot of names. I, I, when I first saw them on Twitter, I, I was not as big a fan. 
Uh, but I like them seeing them in person. So I think those are some of the best city edition jerseys I've seen so far. The court, uh, we'll see. Uh, that's, that was my <laughs> next question is what do you think about the court? I'm excited to see this on Tuesday. Like I'm really excited to see it in person and actually like stand on it. Listen, I, I like the idea that the NBA had in doing this, that they want to scream to the outside world, hey, this is the end season tournament. This is different from the regular season games. So you have different jerseys, different court. I get it. Uh, but I, tomorrow I'm going to be in Toyota Center on an all red court watching the Pelicans play. I think that's going to, that's a lot for <laughs> to deal with. Uh, the, the Pelicans are going to have that big highlighter strip going on the middle of the court. I think that might be a lot to deal with, but Listen, I'm all for us spicing up the regular season, figuring out different ways to get people interested. I think the in-season tournament is going to be a good thing. It's going to be fun, especially when we get to the point where there's some elimination games and guys really actually care about what's going on in the tournament. Uh, but, yeah, some of, these, some of these courts are wild. I mean, the Houston <laughs> court is wild. The Bulls OKC, are all red, too. The, the, the Boise State court and, and OKC mm-hmm. is wild. Uh, but, listen, you got to – got to work out some kinks. It's year one. We'll, we'll give them some leeway to figure this thing out. Now, I, look, I'm glad you're on board with the in-season tournament. You and I have talked about it, too, at games where I'm like, I'm a big fan of it. Why not make these regular season games like mean a little <laughs> bit more when no one would care about the, this Rockets game on a Friday here? So, so you talked about Jordan Hawkins a little bit earlier. I mean, he's just been impressive, right? Like, it's kind of as simple as that. I know you've got something coming soon on him that's going to be dropping in the next day or two as well. Like... Is this? I didn't expect this from him as a rookie. Yeah, what's kind of astonished me watching him is the kid is so damn confident. It's wild because if you recall the first two years, with maybe the first year and a half with Trey Murphy, the the conversation was, man, this guy shoots the ball so well, but can he take more than five threes a game? Can we can we get him to kind of take a contested three once in a while? And with Jordan Hawkins, you don't have to tell that dude to shoot at all. Uh, there's no bashfulness. There's zero hesitation. That dude is going to shoot the ball and shoot it and shoot it. How many rookies are willing to go two for 13 in what, game six of their group, whatever mm-hmm. that was, game five? I mean, that, that dude doesn't care if he's on fire like he was in Denver or he can't make a shot like it was in OKC. He's going to continue to shoot it, and I think that's extremely impressive for a young dude coming in. And we talked a good little bit yesterday, what was that, yesterday in Minnesota uh, about – you know, some of the things that, that he's that's motivated him up to this point, I think it's really impressive uh, talking to him, just how much he knows about the history of the game, how much he follows some of the great shooters that have came before him and how much they've influenced him. I, I think that's really impressive. And I think something that he said multiple times is that uh, what, and what changed him a lot was staying in college for one more season, being in a position with that UConn team last year where he had to be the man. What he told me was, what the team he was on last year, he had to keep shooting because if he didn't, they were going to lose. So he didn't have the option of being like, I'm not making it today. So I'm going to stop shooting because they needed him to keep shooting. So that that's where that mentality kind of developed where he's like, I'm not going to allow a miss or three misses or five misses to stop me from doing what I do best, which is shoot the basketball, which is create opportunities for other people. And I think also what's been impressive about him is that he's not just a shooter. I, I think I'll give you one story, funny story. Uh, I was sitting courtside uh, in Minnesota before that game. And I was sitting there and Jordan Hawkins was warming up with Corey Brewer. And I always mess with Corey Brewer, the assistant coach for the Pelicans. And we're always talking trash back and forth. And then he says, um, he's, he tells me, Will, make sure you write about Jordan Hawkins. My boy doing his thing. And I said, yeah, he's a shooter. That boy's a shooter. And he says, no, that boy's a hooper. 
Make sure you tell people he's a hooper. He's not a shooter. And I think that's, that's a great exactly quote. right there. And, and I think that tells you what you need to know about Jordan Hawkins is that he'll he'll pump fake it and go in and make a left-hand layup, which is not something we saw a whole lot from Trey Murphy in year one. We saw him had a, a put-back dunk in one of these games a couple games ago. He'll step in and hit that mid-range jumper. And, and I think when you watch him in pregame, he's doing different things to work on his mid-range game and add to his, his arsenal. And I think – as much of a great shooter he as he is, I think there are other elements of his game that are going to blossom as he continues to grow, and I think that's going to make him even more dangerous. So yeah, I really like this kid's mentality. With the last time we talked, I was the one saying I was pessimistic about how much he could contribute right. uh, from day one, and I, boy, was I wrong. Oh, you, you called the Matt Ryan <laughs> thing though. You called the Matt Ryan one. <laughs> hey, all right, okay, so I can, I can I can afford to be one wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's so okay. I, we... <laughs> but no, I've been really impressed with this dude that he's just fearless, and I think that's a quote Willie Green had. This kid is fearless, and I, that's what you want to see from a, a from a big time shooter coming in in year one. What well, was awesome? Look in the Minnesota loss. I think like my the, the biggest takeaway I had was like he was on the scouting report. Look at how much how closely they were guarding him whenever he was off ball in transition in any opportunity. They had Mike Conley stuck on him or someone else stuck on him to take away any room he could get to have the ball. This is game seven eight for a rookie and he's being guarded like that in the nba which tells you something about the way the league views this player you mentioned though he adds but more right unfortunately he's a, it also tells you about the other guys that they had on the court with him and they put that much focus on jordan Hawkins. fair enough it's probably telling you there's not enough weapons around jordan Hawkins. no so, yeah. uh it's Jer- jeremiah robinson earl like nice nice start <laughs> there but not going to necessarily be the offensive threat that we were we were hoping for there. But you mentioned he contributes in other areas, and one thing I I think he's done pretty well is actually defensive rebounding, which has kind of surprised me. Like he plays bigger than, you know, what you would almost expect from him. That's been an issue for the Pelicans. You know, you've talked about it being maybe just Larry Nance Jr. isn't playing as well. That Jonas Valanciunas isn't playing as well either. Is this also a symptom of them trying to play fast and guys trying to leak out in transition too, and maybe not going for those, you know, kind of team defensive rebounding? Yeah, I think that's, that can certainly be a, a big part of it, but I think also they're not offensive rebounding as well. No, they're they just not the rebounding at all. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we can kind of say one thing or another, but yeah, I think that's definitely a part of it that they want to play faster. I think their perimeter guys aren't attacking the boards as much as they have in the past because they are trying to get out. You know, Jordan Hawkins mm-hmm. is trying to get out and hit those transition threes. Same thing for Matt Ryan. And I think when you get guys like a Najee Marshall back, who's a little bit more comfortable defensive rebounding. Do you think he's going to be in the rotation like immediately? I think knowing Willie Green, he trusts Najee Marshall. I think he trusts Najee to defend multiple positions, to handle the ball, uh, to kind of be that Swiss Army knife that we know that's how the name, the knife came from. The knife, yeah. Uh, Because Willie Green trusts Najee to do a little bit of everything. And I think they've kind of leaned on their young guys, Dyson Daniels, Kyra Lewis, a little bit more than they've wanted to. Uh, So I think – At least Kyra, right? yeah, for sure. And I think Najee's going to come in and just give them a little bit more of a defensive presence on the ball, be able to create steals. That's another way for you to get out in transition. He's a good guy that plays in the passing lanes and creates steals. So, yeah, I definitely expect Najee to be in the rotation when he comes back. But, yeah, I think, again, we could talk about how some of these guys coming back can help them on the defensive boards, but I'll keep saying it. They just have to play better. The guys that they have out there, 
they're good enough to defensive rebound at the rate that they have in the past. They just haven't done it. And we can point to a million reasons why, but we can, it just comes down to they have to be better than what they've done to this point. And if not, I think you're probably going to see changes sooner rather than later. I think it's easier to say that because you can look down around the roster, look around the league and tell me who rush the trade for Jonas Valanciunas to be their starting center. That's not a shout out Jonas. That's just talking about how many good centers there are in the league right now. I mean, it's something that we don't talk about enough, but there are a bunch of good centers in the league, a bunch of young centers in this league. And I think uh, that kind of puts stress on Jonas as well, that he, there are certain times where he's not as comfortable guarding uh, Miles Turner or if Jokic is hitting threes, it's tough for him. Uh, you know, the, the, I saw somebody joke with me on Twitter that the, the big thing they were missing in that Denver game was my man Billy Hernan Gomez, the, the Jokic stopper. The Jokic uh, stopper, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were really missing was Hernan Gomez out there putting a the body on, on Jokic. Uh, but no, nah, I, I just think that the guys that they have, they got to be better. They got to have consistency within their rotation. And uh, then you'll start to see the results. Uh, but this team can't be a bottom 10 rebounding team, not the way that they're built. There's no excuse for that. And, and I think that's a big part of why they've struggled in the games that they have so far. So the theme you've said here is it just comes down to get like get a little bit healthier, get a little bit more consistency and like play better. And you're, so you're still very much of the belief. And we talked about this two weeks ago when we, 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 we did the opening night preview. Like you still think this team can be very, very good when they're healthy, when everyone's out there and they're reaching the like expected level of play that we've come to come to known from these guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, what I would say is at the start of the week, we were looking at a team that was four and two. You play the defending champs, and then you play the Timberwolves of basically. Good, good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you play the Timberwolves with like three two-way guys and a couple like young dudes in uh, Brandon Ingram. Uh, I mean, for them to be sitting at four and four right now, it's a blessing with, with the way they've played, with the way they've looked in the third quarter, with the way they've rebounded. I would say it's a plus that they're four and four and not looking like the Lakers right now who are winless on the road. You know what I mean? They're so looking think, for their third star because they don't have enough there, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. I, I, and again, I think the good thing for this team is it's not like it was last year where Najee Marshall is coming back soon. Jose Alvarado is coming back soon. Trey Murphy is going to be back in a couple of weeks. I would expect CJ McCollum to be back relatively soon. So it's not like we're looking at this team saying, how can you figure it out without your guys? I think your guys are going to be back somewhat soon, and for a few of them, very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's about getting them back into the lineup, figuring out these rotations, getting more consistency. Uh, but they also just got to – you said it. They, they got to demand more out of the guys who have been on the floor because they haven't lived up to the expectations. And I think uh, that's going to be the big key moving forward, and specifically Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Those guys have to be better if this team is going to be what they hope to be coming into the season. Yeah, look, it's it, those are the star players. Those are who's supposed to carry you. If we're looking at this and we're like, it should, it, you know, uh, Jonas Valanciunas is going to be the difference maker. Herb Jones is going to be the difference maker. This team's in trouble because it needs to be the star players that are carrying your yep. team. They need to be winning those starters minutes in a way that they aren't right now. And I think that's a good way to sum it up. So we're going to end the show there. Will, I appreciate you coming on. We'll see you in two weeks here. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Be back with y'all on... Monday to recap the weekend, get you set. We're going to have a live show with the Lockdown Mavs host Sunday night. He's going to be in town. I got him coming to visit me. It'll be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll pull Will on there too. I'll bring three microphones. See y'all then and then (laughs) see y'all on Monday.